teachers for taking care of them. And uh, I'll tell you what, today is, I'm so excited. I can't understand it, Brother Tim. I have been waiting for this day. I have been waiting for this day forever. And uh, uh, we're, we're so glad that, that you're here today to hear uh, Tim Lee preach to us. Now, I've been in ministry for about, if you count, when I was a youth director, youth pastor for almost 50 years, almost 50 years. And I've known a lot of preachers, and I've known a lot of preachers who've kind of unfortunately kind of flamed out, and I'm sorry about that, but sometimes they do. This guy has been consistent day in, day out, year after year after year. He has served God, and he is one of my, honestly, he is one of my heroes. I want you to welcome Dr. Tim Lee as he comes speak to us today. God bless you, my friend. Love you, man. All right. Thank you, Pastor. Well, thank you so much. I can't tell you how thrilled I am to uh, be here at First Baptist and and to be with my uh, friends, Jim and uh, Pat Bays. Uh, as he said, we've known each other for a long, long, long time. And I've had the privilege to preach for him on so many occasions. And, and they've been great supporters of uh, our ministry. And uh, so when God sent uh, Pastor Jim Bays uh, here, he sent you a choice, a man of God. And I say that with... Uh, with all the uh, enthusiasm that I can muster, because this guy's the real deal. You already know that, and um, and he loves people, and uh, he loves God, and uh, so Pastor, thank you. We kind of threw this together, kind of last minute deal. I spoke this morning over at MCRD uh, San Diego to uh, several hundreds. Our numbers are down a little bit now. They have bigger numbers in the summertime, but we had great. Uh, uh, the theater was, I would say, was about uh, two-thirds uh, full, maybe a little bit more than that. And we had a uh, uh, great worship service, and then uh, I spoke and gave an opportunity for them to uh, invite Jesus Christ into their life. And I would say there was three or four hundred that indicated they did that. And um, so that's a successful uh, morning period. We... Um, uh, uh, we travel. I'm an evangelist. I travel about 50 weeks a year. We go sometimes two and uh, three times uh, a week. My wife normally is with me, but she stayed at home uh, this week and uh, and let me come and, and do this by myself. But Con and I've been married for 43 uh, years, and we have three wonderful children: Brian, Janet, and Amber. All three of them love the Lord. They've all three grown up, and believe it or not, they all three left home. Amen. <laughs> And uh, somebody said, the American dream is to own your own home. I said, the American dream is to get your kids out of your home. And, and so uh, somebody's shaking your head. You know what I'm talking about. But the thing that has turned our lives upside down are our six grandchildren. This is the most exciting thing. How many grandparents in the building? Hold up your hand. Look at that, would you? Now, I'm not a kidding you. I used to think grandparents were nuts. I've had complete strangers come up to me and say, would you like to see a picture of my grandchildren? Why? <laughs> Years ago, especially down south, they used to have bumper stickers on the back of their car that asked me about my grandchildren. So 70 miles an hour, I was supposed to roll my window down and talk to them about their grandkids. They've got um, all kinds of bumper stickers. They've got the one that says, my kid's an honor student. I saw one in Dallas, true story, said, my kid goes to school. That's good. Now, 
I want to share something with you, and then I'm going to give my story, what I do when I go to a church for the very first time. But before I do that, I want to tell you something that's exciting. It has a little bit to do with why we were out here early this morning. Um, a little over three years ago, I received a phone call from a chaplain, uh, Chaplain Steve Benefield. Matter of fact, I got a text from him uh, while I was driving over here. I haven't answered him, I, uh, but uh, they're moving to San Diego. I already told him I want you and Pat to go out with him and, uh, and Jennifer to, for a dinner. One of, the, one of the finest military chaplains I've ever been around. I've been around a bunch. But he had actually heard me speak when he was a teenager in St. Charles, Missouri. Uh, he was out of the will of God and running from the Lord. And uh, but God got his attention. He got right with God. And now he's a chaplain. And he was at Paris Island. And he uh, asked me if I would be interested in coming and speaking to the recruits at Paris Island. Well, naturally, I was interested. But I've spoken a lot of military bases, camps, and installations here at home and overseas over the year. A lot of those invitations are what I call a gratuitous type invitation. What I mean by that is they want me to come. But they don't want me to talk very long, just five or seven minutes, give me some kind of a plaque or an award. And I'm not totally against that, but the older I get, the less appeal uh, those things have for me. I just want to see people saved. I still want to see people come to Christ. He assured me that that was not what this was. This was what they call Sunday morning Protestant chapel. And uh, now we had Protestant chapel when I was in the Marines, but it was very dead. It was liturgical, as all get out. And, uh, but he told me, he said, no, he said, you, you have an hour and a half to two hours on Sunday morning. You bring your own worship team in, and uh, there's no restrictions. I said, well, I don't get that kind of liberty in some Baptist churches I go to. <laughs> For real. And um, so we, we, we had to go through the channels to get it set up. They had to approve it. The final channel, uh, uh, final a hurdle we had to cross was the CEO of the base had to approve of me coming speaking to the recruits. For the first time in the history of Paris Island, they had a female commanding officer, Brigadier General Lori Reynolds, and she's about six foot four, and she looks like a Marine. <laughs> she was raised a Catholic her entire life. Four years ago, she was invited to a ladies' Bible study, and they were studying the Gospel of John. And for the first time in her life, she understood what the gospel was, and she got saved. And now God's put her in a position to make a decision whether I'm going to come and speak to the recruits of Paris Island. They showed her a DVD of me speaking at Prestonwood Baptist in Dallas, and they said she had tears in her face and said, yes, our recruits need to hear him. We were there last Sunday for our 11th event. Every time that we go, it's a brand new recruit class. It's staged out at about 12-week intervals. And um, we go in on Saturday night. We bring this extensive sound system. So it's like a $60,000 sound system, but it takes four guys. We bring four guys from Jacksonville, Florida, and it takes them seven to eight hours to set this system up in this humongous metal building. Otherwise, they would never hear us. Then Mark Ivey, one of the great worship leaders in America, comes from Jacksonville, Florida. They bring their A team from Trinity Baptist Church. They don't bring the B team. This church runs about 2,500, 2, and, and they've been to all 11 events. 
And they come in on Sunday morning. Mark leads in worship and praise. Lots of songs like they sing over this morning. Um, uh, uh, Our God's Not Dead. And, and to hear 4,000 recruits singing God's Not Dead will put goosebumps on top of your goosebumps. And, uh, and they, they lead in worship for 45 to 50 to 55 minutes. There's no, they, they're not anxious about us getting out on a particular time. And then I get up and speak. And then I give a public invitation. And uh, I told them that I wouldn't really be interested in doing all that if we couldn't give an invitation. Now, I've never seen the sense of this. I know people argue about it. But to me, it's like taking a starving man at the best buffet in town, show him all that great food, and then turn around marching him out, not letting him have any. It doesn't make sense. So they told me that we could give invitations. And um, conservatively, in these 11 events, we have seen right at 16,000 who've walked out of their seats and came forward and gave their hearts to Jesus Christ. Amen. They come broken with tears and conviction. It's one of the most amazing things. It is a God thing. In this day when everything seems to be going wrong, and people getting their heads chopped off, people being burned alive in animal cages, young students having guns point their head, asking if they believe in God, and all kinds of evil and stuff going on in this world, this is a God thing. It's almost like God said, I want to see a whole bunch of Marines get saved at one time. It's not the fact that, that their lives are going to be changed immediately. Of course, that's a given. Their lives are changed forever. But in five and six years, some of them will be leaders in the Marine Corps. And then some will be leaders in America if the Lord tarries his coming. So I've said all that to ask you to pray. They are seriously considering doing a similar thing at, uh, camp, at uh, MCRD San Diego. And I'm supposed to be meeting either today or in the morning with those in a position to make a decision. So I want you to pray about that. It won't, it's not the same because of the way the, the logistics are at uh, San Diego because they are gone a lot. Uh, Camp Pendleton doing rifle range and other things that they're doing. So it's a little bit different situation, but we still believe we could reach several thousand recruits every year. And so just pray and pray hard. Now, here's what I want you to do. Everyone in this room right now, if you would, in your mind, just draw an imaginary circle around yourself right now. No one to the right, no one to the left, just you and me and God for the next 21 to 22 minutes. And I want you on purpose to ask God to say something to you. Some of you have never done that in your entire life. Come to church and sit down in a seat and say, God, Say something to me today. If you'll ask him right now, I believe in the next few moments, God will speak to your heart. Well, won't you look in the book of Revelation, chapter number 12, and verse number 7. Revelation chapter 12, if you don't have a Bible, just listen very carefully to these words. And there was war in heaven. And folks, it all started with a war. And it's all going to end in a war. And guess what? If you go to chapter 19, guess what? We win. It's already been decided. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought against his angels and prevailed not. Neither was there a place found anymore in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, and Satan which deceiveth the whole world. 
He was cast out in the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. Now, how did they overcome? And how do you and I overcome Satan? How do we overcome this old dragon, the devil? This verse tells you two ways. Verse number 12. Excuse me, verse number 11. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. What's your story? What's your testimony? Three friends died. They were taken for orientation about what would happen at their funeral. They were asked the question when people come by and they look in your casket, what do you want people to say? first guy was a doctor. He said, well, I studied hard at best schools, and I cared greatly about my patients. I want to be able to say that when they look in my casket. They asked the second guy, when people come by, they look in your casket. What do you want people to say? He was an educator, a teacher. He said, well, kind of similar. I studied the best schools, too, and I cared greatly about my students that I taught. So then they asked the third guy, when people come by and they look in your casket, what do you want them to say? He said, I want them to say, look, he's moving. Well, what do you want people to say when you come to the end of your life? You go to the cemetery and there's a marker and there's enough information on that marker. We know something about the person that's buried in that spot. We know the name, of course. We, we know maybe something about their military career, about their family, maybe a Bible verse that was important to them. But then there's always the dates. There's the date the person was born and then there's the date that the person died. But ladies and gentlemen, young people, there's something even more important than the dates, in between the dates is the little dash, and it's what's on your dash that matters the most. All through this Bible, this is a book of stories of people's lives, their testimony, their story. It all started with Adam. Did you men ever stop to think what it would have been like to have been Adam? Adam had a wife and never had a mother-in-law. <laughs> oh, that's a story. Abraham had a story, Noah had a story, Joshua had a story, Noah had a story, and, and Jonah had a story, Nehemiah had a story, Matthew and Mark and Luke and John, Peter and Paul, they all had stories. It all starts with the beginning. It starts with your home life. I wish everyone could have been raised the way I was raised. It wasn't a perfect home life by no stretch of the imagination, but it was a great life. My dad was a Southern Baptist pastor for almost 60 years. He liked a few months being six full decades of pastoring and preaching God's word. My mom, who's still living, she's 91, will soon be 92. Up until this last summer, she mowed her yard with a push mower. She told me the other day, she said, I sold my car. I said, Mom, why did you sell your car? She said, I'm 91. I've never had an accident, and I've never had a speeding ticket, and I want to go out on top. <laughs> I said, Mom, I couldn't say that when I was 17 years old. But we were raised in that kind of home. We, we went to church Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night. And, and we were taught that the Bible was the word of God. We were taught there was only one true and living God. We were taught that Jesus Christ was the son of God. We were taught that there's not a lot of ways to go to heaven. There's only one way and that Jesus Christ is that way. Amen. I cannot imagine being raised in an atheist home. Atheism is on the rise in America. 
Now, I don't get atheists. I try to get them. I'm on Twitter, at Marine Tim Lee. If I get bored, I want to have a little fun, just mention atheists. They come out of the woodwork. <laughs> and uh, remember when they, uh, I'm old enough to remember when the Russian cosmonauts went to outer space the first time. They came back. The whole world was watching them, and the media was there. And they said, we've been to outer space, and we did not see God. And since we did not see God, that must mean there is no God. And the next Sunday at the great First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas, the pastor, Dr. W.A. Criswell, exclaimed to his people, he said, Ah, if only they would have stepped out of their spacesuits, then they would have seen God. (laughs) Professing themselves to be wise, they became as fools. My friend, uh, being raised in the right kind of home parents, it makes a difference. As important as it is for your children to come to church and to go to a Sunday school and to be taught the Bible, even be maybe in an Awana program or even be in a Christian academy, all that's great and all that's wonderful. But let me tell you, it's not their primary responsibility to teach your children the Word of God. It is your responsibility to teach your children the Word of God. And I was raised in that kind of a home when I was 10 years old. The most important thing that would ever happen in my life happened on a Sunday morning. My dad was preaching. And for the first time in my life, I got under conviction. I don't know whether you understand what conviction is. But it's when the Holy Spirit of God comes and starts speaking to you directly about important things like death and life and heaven and hell and eternity. And when the, when the Lord does that, especially if you're in church, You're probably the most miserable person in the room. You'd like for the preacher just to shut up. Please, no more singing. Somebody get me out of this building. But friend, the truth of the matter is, you ought to thank God for that conviction. You know what that means? God loves you. God cares about you, and he's trying to draw you to himself. He wants you to be his child. He wants you to spend eternity with him in a place called heaven. And that Sunday morning as a 10-year-old boy, uh, at at the end of the service, all I could see was hell. And somebody said, you shouldn't get saved just to uh, not go to hell. Well, maybe not, but that's not a bad reason to get saved. And I went forward that morning. My mom came and knelt beside me as a 10-year-old boy. I repented of my sins, received Jesus Christ as my Savior, and I got born into the family of God. Now, people, there's a lot of great things about salvation, but I believe perhaps the best is the fact that it's eternal. You see, when God does something, he does it right. God doesn't save you and then put you out on a tree limb somewhere and tell you to make it if you can. When he saves you, he gives you eternal, everlasting life. You say, well, Tim, if I thought that was true, that I could become a Christian, and that no matter what I did or where I went or whatever happened in my life, I would always be saved. Well, then I would become a Christian, and I would just live my life the way I wanted to, and it wouldn't matter. We see, friend, you can't do that. And that's part of what my story's about. Now, let me tell you here today, if you're here in this room and you've never been saved, then your life is incomplete. I heard Chaplain Appleton, we met together, I believe, pastor at uh, MCRD San Diego about five years ago. He had about 30 drill instructors lined up outside. He was preaching to them, and they were listening intently. And I remember this specific thing that he said to them. He said, if you have a recruit that's ready mentally, and you have a recruit that's ready physically, but that recruit is not ready spiritually, then you only have two-thirds of a recruit. And friend, you may be the smartest person in this room today, but if you don't know Christ, 
your life is incomplete. You may be the smartest, uh, strongest man in this room. You may be the most beautiful woman in this room. You may be the richest man in this county. But friend, if you don't know Jesus, your life is incomplete. You need Jesus. I lived for the Lord for some time, man. I was excited. Told my family and friends what had happened in my life. But when I became a teenager, something else happened. It never happened overnight, but rather gradually, I began to put things before God. Football, basketball, baseball, track and field, these things soon became my God. And Dad told me, Tim, there's nothing wrong with you playing ball unless you put it before God. And then it's wrong. I didn't want to listen to that. And little by little, putting these things before God, I began to have problems, serious problems. I began to rebel. I rebelled at school. I rebelled against God. I rebelled against mom and dad. You said, Tim, what did your parents do when you rebelled? They had never read Dr. Spock's books on child psychology. Dr. Spock believed that if a child was frustrated, whatever took get the frustration out, let him do it. If he wants to pick up a rock and throw it through the window, if that would help him get his frustration out, let him throw the rock through the window. Well, my dad had other ways of getting that frustration out. We lived on a farm for a while, and behind the farmhouse was a willow tree. Now, I don't know whether you know what willow trees are good for or not, but you don't get any fruit off of them, and they're not even a good shade tree. The only thing they're good for is to get a switch off. And the only praying I did back then was for that tree to die. It never did die. I'd have to go out and get my own switch and bring it back. And, man, I would be hurting before I got back because I knew what was about to happen. And mom and dad, without fail, they would always talk to us kids before they spanked us. And they'd say something like this. Tim, this is going to hurt me a whole lot worse than it's going to hurt you. I thought, isn't that dumb? If you'll give me that switch, I'll show you who it's going to hurt the worst. But they believed in old-fashioned discipline. But many, many times I would slip out behind their back and do what I wanted to do. I attended public school. Most of my friends were not saved. Most of their parents were not Christians. And I made up my mind as a teenager that I could live my own life. My junior year in high school, I set two track records, one in the long jump, one in the hurdles, winning ribbons and trophies, but all the time getting further and further away from God. You say, Tim, what did God do? God declares in Revelation chapter 3, verse 19, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. I saw five of my high school friends killed in car wrecks. Every time I would see one of them in a casket, I knew that it very easily could have been me. God would speak to my heart, but I wouldn't listen. I kept running. I kept rebelling. I graduated from high school, started college the day, working nights. In the meantime, my life became one disaster after another. And I thought that it couldn't get any worse, but it wasn't long until I got fired from my job. And then I got kicked out of college. Nowhere to go and nothing to do. And again, my life full of confusion. Walking down the street in my hometown, McLeansboro, Illinois. I went by the post office and I noticed the sign. Now, I'd seen the sign before, but it never got my attention like it did that day. It was a picture of a young man, a sharp-looking uniform. And at the top of that sign, it said, the Marines looking for a few good men. Well, I didn't know who the rest of them were, but I went in and told that recruiter that I'd found at least one of what they were looking for. Now, young people, to be real frank with you, I was tired of living at home. I wanted to change. I wanted something different. I was tired of being told what time to go to bed, what time to get out of bed, 
how to get my hair cut, and what I could do and what I could not do, so I joined the United States Marine Corps. It wasn't the most intelligent thing I ever did. They put me on a Greyhound bus and sent me to Paris Island, South Carolina. I got off that bus and stepped out of those yellow footprints, and I met that guy they called drill instructor. And I was there less than 24 hours when I decided I didn't like him, and he didn't like me. But you know the real reason why I didn't like him? He was in authority, and I didn't like authority. I was rebellious toward all authority, but I was soon to discover that no matter where I would ever go in this life, there would always be authority, with God being the supreme. In all authority, I laid awake nights, many nights, between 3.05, thinking about my life, the shame and the disgrace that I brought to my dad's ministry and to my own family. My attitude began to change in boot camp. The Marines had some things to help it change. I graduated from boot camp with a meritorious promotion to ITR, then to engineering school at Camp Lejeune. Graduated from engineering school with another meritorious promotion. And then I received my orders that I was to go to Vietnam. I had three weeks leave. I went home to Illinois and spent those three weeks with my mom and dad. On Sunday, I went forward and I thought that I made things right with God. And then on Monday, mom and dad drove me to St. Louis and I got on that plane and that big jet no more got off the runway. I told God that I couldn't do it. Those men were Marines. I was afraid they'd laugh at me. I was afraid they'd make fun of me. I went to Vietnam, was there for nine months, and I didn't go back to doing a lot of things that I'd done before, but friend, listen, if you're not for the Lord, you're against him. For the Christian in this building today, there's no middle ground. Today, you're either helping the cause of Christ or you're hurting the cause of Christ. I had opportunity after opportunity to live for God. My mother sent me a Bible, and on the inside of that Bible, she wrote these words, Tim, this Bible can keep you from sin. Or sin can keep you from this Bible. I put it in the bottom of my footlocker. Had no prayer life. Had no testimony. There was a black Marine in my squad by the name of Lee Gore. Lee and I flew to Vietnam on the same plane. We were the best of friends. He was a Christian living for God. I was saved, but I was running from God. Oftentimes, I'd seen him sit down at Edward's rack and read his Bible. I seen him openly witness and talk to other Marines about the Lord. And I knew this was the story. This was the testimony that I was supposed to have. But I wouldn't do it. 30 days left and Nam and my top sergeant offered me a desk job. Simply meant that I didn't have to go back out to the field or the bush anymore. And that was where the primary danger was. But for some reason, I told my top sergeant that I'd rather spend the rest of my time with my own men. I was told to take them on a minesweep. I'd been on numerous minesweeps. The only thing particularly different about this one, most of my men that day were, were fairly new in Vietnam. The only trend that many of them had on a minesweep was what they'd gotten back in the States, and that was a lot different than walking an actual minesweep. I got my men together early that morning, March the 8th, 1971. I told my men that day that I would walk point. Point man was the first man in the squad to be 15, 20 meters and another Marine. 15, 20 meters and another Marine. And we'd be staggered out in that kind of formation. Normally, I would have been in the back of the squad with the radium and the corpsman, the lieutenant. Wasn't trying to be a hero or anything like that. Simply trying to show 
my men how to walk point. Our job is to locate landmines and rounds that had not yet been detonated and to clear the area of those devices. We walked that morning without any trouble. We found a couple of rounds. We detonated them. We stopped at noon hour to eat. And while I was eating, my friend, Lee Gore, asked me if I wanted him to take over his point. He could have very easily have done it. He was as well trained as I. But for some reason, I told him I would finish out the day. And then on tomorrow, he could show the new men how to do it. We picked up where we left off from, and 45 minutes later, I stepped on a 60-pound mine. It blew me several feet into the air. It ripped both of my legs off of my body. I should have been killed instantly. It was a big enough mine to destroy a jeep. There in the midst of all the confusion, in the midst of my hurt and pain, I looked up. My head was laying in the lap of Corporal Lee Gore. Lee wasn't cussing the president or the communists or the Vietnamese or no one else. Tears streaming down his face, openly and out loud praying and asking God to help me. And I can remember today as though it happened 10 minutes ago. Quang Nam province, a little after 1.30 in the afternoon, I looked up that day and I made God a promise. It was something like these simple words. God, if you'll let me live and get back home to mom and dad, I'll do with my life what you want me to do. Well, I've made so many promises to God on so many other occasions, but I never meant it like a minute that day. It came with a medevac chopper, carried me to the hospital ship, the USS Sanctuary. The second day I was on that ship, two naval doctors gave up hope. Infection had set in, running a high degree temperature, a lot of complications. They never expected me to survive. One of those doctors, Dr. Robert Bailey, he and I were reuniting the special surprise service in Garland, Texas several years ago. Surprised me, everyone else knew about it. And, um, and he told the congregation that night that they'd never expected me to live. But God had a plan for my life. I lay on that hospital ship for two weeks unconscious most of the time. They took me to the island of Guam to the naval hospital where I spent the next two weeks unconscious most of that time. I weighed 187 pounds before I was hit. The island of Guam, I weighed a little less than 80 pounds. During that first four-week period, Mom and Dad received visits from the Marines, the Red Cross, and numerous telegrams, and from all that they had been told from a human standpoint, they never expected to see their oldest son alive again. But God had a plan for my life. Several years ago in Dayton, Ohio, Earl Lewis came to the crusade where I was speaking Earl was the fifth man back on the minesweep that day. He'd only been in country for a few short weeks. He told Connie and I that it looked like someone had taken a five-gallon bucket of red paint and just poured it all over me. He said not a one of my men thought that I would live. In that crusade, Earl gave his heart to Jesus Christ and now is a faithful member of that church. A year ago in August when we went to Paris Island, I took Earl with me and I took Lee Gore with me. It was the first time they had seen each other since Vietnam. A very emotional reunion for them and for myself as well. God had a plan for my life in Danville, Virginia on Father's Day several years ago. Ray Burchett came to the Sunday morning service. Ray was the radio man on the minesweep that day. He'd only been in Vietnam for 10 days. I was his first medevac chopper call. He told my family that was with me that day that when they put me on that medevac chopper to go to the hospital ship, which was only a 20-minute flight, that no one, not a one of my men, expected me to be alive when they reached the ship. That Father's Day, 
In Danville, Virginia, Ray Burchard gave his heart to Jesus Christ. God had a plan for my life. They brought me back to the States to the Philadelphia Naval Hospital where I spent the next eight months, 13 major operations. When the doctors were through and all the surgery was over, I had three inches remaining on my right leg, 11 inches on my left, but no other part of my body was hurt. Now, some would tell us today was nothing more than an accident, but I remind you, friend, that with God, there are no accidents. God was not asleep on March the 8th, 1971. You see, as a 10-year-old boy, I said yes to Jesus Christ. But as a teenager, I decided that I could live my own life, and I made a choice, a deliberate choice to run, and I ran and ran and ran until March the 8th, 1971, when the running was over. I went home from the hospital to my dad's church in southern Illinois. I went forward and publicly made things right. It was in that church that I met Connie. We fell in love with each other and were soon married. And it wasn't long after we were married that God called me to preach. Friends and even relatives tried to discourage me. They said it would be so hard, so difficult. But I said, if that's what God wants me to do, that's what I'll do. I pastored for five years in southern Illinois and now my 38th year as an evangelist. I preached in every state with the exception of North Dakota. And I'm not sure anybody lives up there anymore. And and many, many foreign countries preaching God's word. And we're going to tell you right now, the way I've said it so many times, the past 44 plus years of my life have absolutely been the happiest years of my life. He said, but Tim, you're in a wheelchair. Your legs are gone. Today, I'm in a wheelchair. But this morning, I'm in the will of God. And that, my friend, makes all the difference in the world. Here's how. The book of Job says it in chapter 5 and verse 17. Happy is the man whom God correcteth. Tim, are you telling us that God would do something like that to a person? No, God doesn't necessarily do things to us. He does things for us because he loves us, because he cares for us, and because we are his children. You're saved, but you're out of the will of God. Then I plead with you. Don't leave the doors of these, these buildings until you make things right with God today. And then there may be several listening to my voice right now. And you're not for sure that if you were to die that you would go to heaven. You're not 100% for sure. Friend, please, keep the imaginary circle for just another moment. And give me two to three minutes. It could be the most important word you've ever heard in your whole life. A little over 2,000 years ago, God sent his only son to this earth. God didn't have 20 sons. God didn't have two sons. God had one begotten son, Jesus Christ. He came to this earth, born of a virgin. And he lived on this earth for nearly 33 sinless, spotless years. He did no wrong. And then one day, he walked up Calvary's hill willingly. He laid down his life for your sins and for my sins and for the sins of the world. He hung on that cross suspended between heaven and earth. And on that cross, he shed his blood. And on that cross, he died. God's son died. They took him off of the cross and 
They carried him and they put him in a borrowed tomb. And ladies and gentlemen and young people, right here, among other things, is what separates Christianity from every other single religion on the face of the earth. For if you were to go to the place where they put the body of Jesus, you wouldn't find him. He's not there. On the third day, he got up from the grave victorious over sin, victorious over death, victorious over hell, and he lives forevermore. God's son is alive. And here's the good news. He wants to come and live in your life. Well, how does that happen, Tim? How does God's son come and live in my life? You come to this place. I'm not talking about this geographical building. I'm talking about this moment right now, this moment in your life. Understand you're not here by accident. God put this service together before Pastor Jim Bays and I ever talked. I believe that. And God knew you would be here. And God knew what you would hear today. And you come to this place to realize, to understand that in the sight of this holy God that you're a sinner. The Bible says so, friend. The Bible says we've all sinned. Every one of us have sinned and come short of God's glory. And it is our sin that separates us from God. And there's only one way to be reconciled to God. And that's through his son, the one who paid the price for our sin, the one who died for our sin, the one who got up from the grave victorious over sin. And today, if you're willing to repent of your sin, if you're willing to turn from your sin and turn to Jesus, the very moment that you by faith say yes to Jesus, you become God's child. Forever. Wouldn't you like to know that when you die, you'll spend eternity with God in a place called heaven forever? You say, well, Tim, I'm, I'm not planning on dying anytime soon. I don't imagine any of us are. But I tell people all the time, you don't have to go to heaven. And you don't have to go to hell. But you can't stay here. You're going to spend eternity somewhere. Would you bow your heads this morning? I'm going to ask that no one move except for the one that's going to come and play and sing. Nobody else. No counselors. No personal workers. I want you to keep with your head bowed. Keep that imaginary circle around. Do not let anything or anyone interrupt what the Holy Spirit of God wants to do here in the next few moments, friend. I'm going to ask you something. And I'm going to ask you a question. Listen to this. Nobody's going to embarrass you. No one's going to intimidate you. And no one's going to manipulate you in any form or fashion. But would you be honest? Don't raise your hand because you raised it before. And don't raise your hand because a friend or family member raises theirs. But because you're being 100% honest with God today. With yourself today. With this evangelist. No one looking but me and God. No one on the platform. No one in the sound booth. No one behind. Just me and God. How many in this room today would say, Tim, I know. Beyond a shadow of a doubt. If I were to die in the next four minutes in this seat where I'm at. If EMT was coming in this room and pronounced me dead. I know I would go to heaven. I remember the day when that conviction came to my life. 
And I too repented of my sin and received Christ as my Savior. And Tim, if I were to die, I know that I would go to heaven. I've been saved. I've been, my life's been changed by the power of God. And I'm not the least bit ashamed. No one looking. Let me see your hand as a way of testimony. What a sight. You can take them down. Christian friend, don't ever be ashamed or embarrassed for a preacher to ask you that question. And for you to give testimony. Hey, if you can't give testimony at church, where would you ever hope to give testimony? There were some. As a matter of fact, there were several who could not raise their hands. Can I tell you today that I appreciate you being honest? You could have put your hand up when others raised theirs, but you did not do that. And in just a moment, I want you to let me pray for you. However, before I do that, I want to talk to everyone that raised their hands. How many would say today, Tim, I know I'm saved. I know I'm a Christian. But I also know there's some things in my own life that are not right with God. There's some things in my own life the Lord is not pleased with. And Tim, God spoke to me today. I don't want to run. I don't want to rebel. Pray for me today that I can have these things right between me and God. Let me see your hands all over this room. Hands raised everywhere. You can take them down. I'm going to give the invitation this morning that I give somewhere across America nearly every Sunday of the year. Sometimes eight or 10,000, sometimes 150 or less in a moment. We're going to sing one verse of invitation. Now we might sing two, but that will be all. And I'm going to ask every one of you that just now raised your hand, not yet, but when we sing, every one of you that just now raised your hand to leave your seat and go to the nearest aisle. And then I want you to come and stand right here in front of me. I don't want you to kneel today. There's a reason for that. I just want you to come and stand right here facing me with your head bowed. We're going to pray together today. God is going to do something in your life here this morning. You're afraid to come to yourself? Ask someone to come with you. Someone's in your way. You nudge them. They'll move over. Counselors and Workers, when the people come, I want you to come and stand here with them. But I don't want you to talk to anyone. I don't even want you to pray with anyone. I just want you to come and stand here as moral support until I pray and give instruction. You'll understand why in just a few moments. Hey, I wonder this morning if there are those who say, Tim, I've been saved, but I have not been baptized since I was saved. Maybe you got saved last Sunday or, or maybe at home sometime or another, or another part of your life. And you remember the day that Jesus Christ came into your life, but you have not been baptized since you were saved. You say, Tim, I know I need to be baptized. I know God commands that in his word. Pray for me about this important commitment of baptism. Let me see your hands today. Would you hold them up high? Hold them up high for just a moment. Then you can take them down. Okay. There's two hands raised. Folks, listen, they'll baptize you next Sunday. You want your family and friends to be here to watch it? That's great. But let's make this a day of commitment. You come and stand here with the rest of these folks, and I'll help you do that. I wonder if there are those that say, Tim, I'm not a member of First Baptist, but I'm looking for a church home. I'm looking for a place to call family. Maybe you represent your whole family or just you as an individual. And you say, Tim, pray for me about this important commitment of church membership, the way this church accepts members. Let me see your hands today. Would you hold them up high? There's one family. There's two families. There's three families. There's four families. There's five families represented by adults raising their hands. Oh, folks, this is a good church. And a pastor and a people that will love you and encourage you and bless you and help you. 
And every week you wait, becoming a part of this fellowship is a week you could have spent serving God right here. Why don't we once again make this a day of commitment, a day of decision in the life of First Baptist Church Coronado? You come and stand here in a moment with the rest of these folks, and I'll help you to do that. Now, while my brother plays very quietly on the piano, I want to ask the most important question I could possibly ask. Where will you spend eternity? Oh, you see, friend, you not only have a soul, you are a soul, and you are going to live forever, either in heaven or in hell, dependent upon what you do with Jesus Christ. I won't embarrass you today. I would not do that for anything in the world. But do you care enough about yourself? And where you're going to spend eternity to let this evangelist pray for you today. How many in this room would say, Tim, the truth of the matter is, I'm not for sure. That if I were to die right now, I would go to heaven. I could not raise my hand a while ago when all those other people raised theirs. Or I did raise my hand, but I'm still not for sure. That if I died, I would go to heaven. And I certainly don't want to go to hell. And Tim, I want you to include me in that prayer. No one looking but me and God. Tim, include me in that prayer. Let me see your hand right now. Hold him up high. You and you and you and you and you and you and you. You can take them down. You don't have to keep them up. Numbers of hands. Anyone else? Dad, mom. Grandma, grandpa, husband, wife, teenager, young adult, boy, girl, anyone else? Tim, include me in that prayer. I'm not for sure if I died right now. I go to heaven. I don't want to go to hell. One more. Would it be one more? I want those of you that raise your hand to listen to me. This could be the greatest day of your entire life. There's going to be a lot of people coming and standing here today. Christians, I'm asking you to set the example. I'm asking you to be the first out of your road. And if you'll come, it'll help these lost people to come to Christ. When you get here, come as close to the middle as you can and just stand here facing me. We're going to pray together. God is going to do something in your life. Would you stand to your feet all over the room? Everyone standing. And, and, uh, and they begin to sing. You begin to come right now. Hand me that water, Pastor. Come on right now. If you were serious, no hesitation. Come quickly. Right here, right now. Come fast. Go ahead and sing it, guys. They're coming from all the different sides. Just come and fill in the middle. If you were serious, come on. Take someone with a hand and ask them to come with you today. They'll do it. Just come in close, guys. There's others that are coming. Come on, Dad. Come on, Mom. Come on, teenager. Take someone and say, I want to go with God. I don't care what my friends think. I don't care what the world says. I'm going to go with God. I know it takes courage to walk out of your seat. Folks, would you come on in and fill in one more more verse, and that's all we're singing. Do what God wants you to do today. Do it now, friend. This is all we're singing right here. There's others that are coming. Another one and another one and another one and another one. Oh, Lamb of God, I come. 
our heads are bowed. I want just the piano play, just the piano play very quietly. Christians in our prayer for attitude. There's nothing more important going on in the state of California today than what's happening right here, right now, I promise you. There's not a meal you'll eat all week can begin to compare it with the importance of what God's trying to do in lives right now. There's two vital parts of this invitation. And we're going to deal with the most important part first. If you've never been saved, if your life has never been changed by the power of God, I'm not talking about being a member of a church. I'm not talking about being baptized. I'm not talking about being a Baptist or a Methodist or a Lutheran or a Church of Christ, Assembly of God, a Catholic, a Mormon, any other denomination, any other religion. I'm talking about that day when conviction came to you and you realized that you were a sinner and you could not save yourself and you turned to Jesus Christ. You say, Tim, I'm about 90% for sure that I'm a Christian. I wouldn't hurt you for anything in the world, friend. But you've got to hear this. If you're 90% for sure you're saved, you are 100% lost. There's no way you could ever chance 10% that you would be separated from God forever. If you say, but Tim, I've been telling people that I'm a Christian, but now today I'm just not for sure, then I want you to make it for sure. I want you to settle it today. Don't worry about what your friends think. Don't worry about what your family thinks. All that matters is what God thinks. That's all that matters. So in a moment, I'm going to pray out loud. What we oftentimes refer to as a sinner's prayer. It's a prayer similar to what we prayed when we invited Jesus Christ into our life. And if you want to be saved today, whether you're here at the front or still there in your seat, and you're not playing church, you're not playing games with God, then when I pray this prayer out loud, I want you to pray it in your heart. Now, before you do that, you've got to understand two things. First of all, the prayer itself will not save you. It's not coming here on Sunday morning and repeating some religious words. But it's your coming to this place in your life to confess that you're a sinner, knowing you cannot save yourself. You're turning to the one who died for you and the one who arose for you, Jesus Christ. Number two, you're not praying to Evangelist Tim Lee. You're not praying to Pastor Jim Bage. You're not praying to any man in this room or any man on this earth. You're praying to the Lord. So will you pray this prayer right now? It doesn't have to be these exact words, but something like this. And mean it with your whole heart as best you know how. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. And I know my sins can separate me from you forever. But today, I want to be saved. Please forgive me of all my sin. Wash me as white as snow. Make me your child. Right now, this very moment, I am trusting Jesus Christ and Him alone as my Lord and my Savior. Take me to heaven when I die, for I am now your child. Our heads are still bowed. No one else is looking but myself, the pastor, and the Lord. That's all. If you just now prayed that prayer in your heart here at the front or there in your seat, if you prayed that prayer today and you meant it with your whole heart as best you knew how, Tim, 
I prayed that prayer. I want you to hold your hands up high right now so I can see how many. Hold them up. Don't take them down. Keep them up high. There's one. There's two. There's three. There's four. There's five. There's six. There's seven. There's eight. There's nine. There's ten. Hold them up for just one more moment. You can take them down, Pastor, behind you. There were four folks right behind you. Now, church, if you're rejoicing, at least ten. Now, there may have been some others that I couldn't see because of the way um, I'm positioned right now. But if you're rejoicing, at least ten. I believe all adults, may have been one or two young adults, but if you're rejoicing, at least ten, would you give them a big hand and tell them you're happy for them today? Let them know. Woo! Awesome, awesome. Now, I don't want anybody else to look. I just want those 10, nobody else. Just those 10 that raised your hand, look right up here at me. Right over here, right back here, right back here, right here and here, and right over here and right back there. Now, I can't keep looking at you. I want you to keep looking at me. That's the most important prayer. You will ever pray in your entire life on January the 24th at 11.08. I want you to remember that. At 11.08, the 24th of January, 2016, you said yes to Christ. And the very moment that you said yes, you became God's child forever. You got to hear what I'm about to tell you. Every sin that you've ever committed is gone. God doesn't just forgive us our sins. He forgets them. They're washed away by the blood of the Lamb. That's how you overcome. That's how you have a story, a testimony. By the blood of the Lamb. Now, all ten of you have a story. You have a testimony. Somebody ever says, well, did you ever get saved? Well, yes, I did. That Sunday morning, that that Marine sitting in that wheelchair. And I, along with nine other people, said yes to Jesus Christ at 1108 a.m. They said, Tim, how do I know if I was serious? How do I know if a minute I'm going to give you a foolproof way? Dr. Adrian Rogers, who's in heaven, used to say this a lot. If you're saved, you won't be ashamed of it. You won't be embarrassed. I've never heard anyone say, I'm sorry I got saved. I've heard a lot of people say, I wish that I'd gotten saved sooner. And the fact that you raised your hand, the fact that you're still looking at me right now, says you're not ashamed. So here's what I want you to do. When you get back to your seat, I want you to find a piece of paper. There's that card in front of you, but it doesn't really matter what kind of paper. Just find a piece of paper and a pen. Once you write your name, your address, your phone number, maybe an email, and then I want you to write one word, saved, S-A-V-E-D. I love that word. For the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We're down here, and pastor's going to come and receive an offering in a moment, and then I'm going to come back and make a last-minute announcement, and then I'm going to go to the back of the auditorium by our product table. I want all 10 of you to bring that paper to me. I want to hug your neck. I want to shake your hand. I want to rejoice in the greatest decision you've ever made. You can bow your heads back down. If you raised your hand earlier today about baptism or church membership, 
and you want to make that decision today about baptism or church membership, would you hold your hands up this morning? Hold them up high. Hold them up high. Here's one. There's two. There's three. Hold them up. For, there's four. You can take them down. Those four of you look right up here with me. I want you to do the same thing. Just find a piece of paper, put your name, address, phone number, and then write on there church membership or baptism or both if that's why you're coming. And then you bring that to me at the end of the service. I'm going to make sure Pastor uh, Jim gets that after we're finished here this morning. You can bow your heads back down. The invitation's not quite over. There's a lot of people today who said, well, Tim, I know I'm saved, but I've gotten away from God. For Tim Lee, it took a landmine explosion, two legs and a wheelchair. The rest of my life, if I finally say, okay, God, for you, it's this trip to this old-fashioned altar today to say I want things right between me and God. So, in a moment, we're going to pray out loud. I'm going to pray out loud. You're going to pray in your heart. Now, you don't have to tell Tim Lee anything, but you need to tell God. God said that if we would confess our sin, he was faithful and just to forgive us. Hey, we confess. He forgives. That's a pretty good deal, isn't it? So, don't play church now. Don't pray one of these broad, general prayers. Lord, if I've sinned, it's not that junk. It's, Lord, I have sinned. And I've come to confess my sin. And then just ask God, please forgive me, God. I want to live for you. I want to have a story. I want to put some stuff on my dash. Father, thank you for speaking to hearts. Thank you for these 10 that have said yes to Christ. Their life will never, ever be the same. And then, Lord, for these who come and want to be a part of this exciting fellowship of believers at First Baptist. And then, Lord, for these numbers that have come to stand here today to say, I just need things to be right between me and God. Father, would you restore the joy? Would you give back the victory that somehow Satan had taken away? And would you start a revival fire burning in their heart and in their life that they will never, ever be the same? Father, thank you for what you've done and the victories that's been won. In Jesus' name. Let's give these folks a big hand. Let them get back to their seat this morning. Let's give the Lord a big hand in the house of God. You can make your way back to your seat today. Woo! You may be seated. Pastor's going to come. I just want to remind you, those 10, that as soon as you sit down, find that piece of paper, put your name, address, your phone number, maybe an email if you got it, then just write the word saved, S-A-V-E-D. And then uh, those of you for baptism and church membership, it's the same thing. And then when we're through here in a little bit, when I get done, I'll be, Pastor, give me a moment to get to the back, then bring that to me. I want to rejoice with you. Pastor, you come, then I'll come back in a little bit. I told you. I told you. Thank you, Dr. Lee. We appreciate that, man. What a great, what a great message. We have an opportunity to not be part. Now, let me tell you something that he hadn't told you. Uh, normally, when he goes to church, and we had him many, many times at our other church, and uh, we would take care of his travel. We would take care of his wife's travel. We would take care of their accommodations. We would take care of their expenses. And that was just part of it because, you know what, believe it or not, they don't let them fly for free and they don't let, you know, they don't let them eat for free in the restaurants and all that. 
He came to First Baptist Church today without one penny promised from anything. And we have an opportunity. And I want to be a blessing to him because it's not just him and him preaching every week. It's his ministry. He, he hadn't told you about Tim Lee Ministries, a lot of stuff that they do all the time. And so this being a military church, I told him you guys would love him. He will love you. I know that. But in front of you, there's an offering envelope with a flag, American flag on it. There, there's plenty of them there. I want everyone to take one out. I want everyone to have a part because every single thing that comes in in these offering envelopes is going to go directly to Tim Lee Ministries. And uh, it, you'll have a part, and you'll be a blessed for being able to have a part in that. So go ahead and take those out and uh, prepare those. And then we're going to do something we've, we've not done since I've been here in May. We're going to have ushers bring offering plates. We had to hunt for something, Doc Tim, uh, to use as an offering plate. Now, these are kind of communion trays with the cups taken out, so, but they'll work. And uh, we're going to give you a minute. I'm going to have a word of prayer and give you just a second. And, and just go ahead and put everything you can in there for the Tim Lee Ministries. Father, we thank you so much for the blessings that we've shared today. God, I thank you for Tim Lee and for the blessing he's been in my life for years and years and years, for 35 years, probably more than that, 35, 36 years. I thank you for that. And I pray, God, you would give him uh, continued health and ministry and uh, power. Lord, I pray you'd open up uh, MCRD along with Paris Island and that, Father, there would just be uh, tens of thousands of Marines come to Christ uh, through his ministry. Father, we ask you to bless our country, bless our nation, bless our people. Some of our guys that were deployed this week, Lord, bless them, keep them safe. Keep them close to you. Help them to be a testimony for you while they're deployed. And, Father, for, for guys and gals here that will be deployed, God, help them to take strength from this message and to take Christ with them everywhere they go, not be ashamed of them. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. We'll go ahead and receive the offering. Let me make announcements while we do that. Or um, Can I do that? Or uh, Let me do that, and then Dr. Lee is going to come back. Uh, Classical Conversations, Monday night, 6.30 here. Classical Conversations, if you have uh, homeschooling that you're involved in, you want to be here for that. Child care, is a, there's a cost of that, $5. Thursday, 7 p.m., men's Bible study. Friday, ladies' Bible study, 9.30 a.m. And then 6.30 p.m., congregational potluck dinner where you get to roast the preacher, okay? You get to put him under a 300-watt light bulb and question him before the vote because the vote is going to be uh, next Sunday morning uh, about whether you want us to stick around here or not. Uh, so it's also the deadline for leadership team nominations next Sunday. Those cards are on the back table uh, and you can get those. And if there's someone that you want to nominate and they are able to, they're a member of the church, they uh, want to be on the leadership team, then go ahead and fill out their name. New members class, February the 7th. Uh, I want you to sign up for that on the connection card. We'll have lunch provided. We're going to try to have. We do have a baptistry, actually. It's out in the shed. We're going to try to have it here. Uh, on that day, because we got some people going to be deployed, they need to get baptized before they're deployed. So we're going to baptize right here in the building. Why not in the ocean, preacher? Because it's stinking cold. That's why. <laughs> Register for Marriage Matters. My wife has the sign-up thing. If you are married, how many are married? Let me see your hands. If you are thinking about getting married, let me see your hands. 
if you ever possibly might ever, ever get married, let me see your hands, then all of you need to see my wife and go ahead and sign up for that. We'll be partnering with Ocean View Church and a couple other churches and doing a Marriage Matters on February 19th and 20th. It'll be phenomenal. It's 20 bucks per couple, including a meal and a couple of desserts, a couple of different nights, so it's a great time. And uh, that's all I have in the way of announcements. So, Brother Tim Lee. All right. Thank you, brother. Let me take just a brief moment. If those of you that is it, how many of you have ever heard me before this morning hold up your hand? Oh, a bunch of you. Well, and you came back. That is a blessing for sure. Thank you so much. And, uh, but let me uh, take just a moment. You can uh, follow us on Twitter, at Marine Tim Lee. I tell people all the time, if you don't love Jesus and you don't love America, you will not enjoy following me on Twitter. I didn't go 10,000 miles away from home, give two legs to my country, come back and be politically correct while America's being destroyed. If I fight for America in Vietnam, then I'll fight for America here. So just fair warning. Then you can also find uh, Tim Lee Ministries on Facebook. And, and, um, but uh, uh, the thing that, w- the way we're doing Paris Island, where every time we go there, it uh, costs us between nineteen dollars and $20,000. We go four times a year. We're going to be there five times this year, the way the year is laid out. And then when they've already got a schedule for four more times in 2017, they're talking about us doing this on and on and on, as long as we want to do it. And uh, But it takes us between $19,000 and $20,000. We pay for everything. We don't take a nickel from the government. We wouldn't take it. They haven't offered it. We wouldn't take it if they gave it to us. And because if you haven't figured it out for now, by now the government gives you something, they expect something in return. And uh, but, so we raise that money, and then plus the fact that we're there on a Sunday, and we don't receive love offerings uh, because of the way Paris Island is structured. We're there uh, on, the, on the island for that day. So what we're doing, Ollie North is a good friend of mine, an American hero. He's written several books. But this book, American Heroes on the Home Front, is a great book. My good friend Bob Hamer, uh, you've uh, met uh, Bob, and he li- li- he's on his way back. He'll be back here on Tuesday. A great American hero, uh, and he spent four years in the Marines, and then he spent 25 years in the FBI, one of the greatest stories I've ever heard in my life. And, uh, but this is a, a war storybook. It's not a Christian storybook. It's a war storybook of Iraq and Afghanistan, American heroes. And you'll need a box of Kleenex to read some of these stories. And then they realized it was the 50th anniversary, the start of the Vietnam War, so they wanted to put a Vietnam story in the book, and they chose our story. We were honored and uh, humbled at the same time. And uh, so when you get that Con and I story, then it's a Christian story. Now, if you go to Barnes and Nobles, you'll pay $30 for this book. And we have a specialist on it today. It's $50. <laughs> You're faster than the average crowd. But the reason for that is it's a fundraiser for our marine project. And um, Ollie North, people gave us a super, super duper great price on these books. Plus, he signed every one of them, hand signed every one of these books for us. And um, we, we've sold several thousand of them by now. And, and because he believes in what we're doing at Paris Island and we, we hope to do here at San Diego as well. And um, so uh, you get the book and for $50, and then you also get, uh, with the first book, you get an 8x10 color photograph of the dress blue Marine Corps uniform, and then for every book that you get, you'll also get one of these lapel pins, like I have here on my uh, lapel. I've been wearing this probably 25 years. It's got the American flag and the Marine Corps flag, and those pins by themselves are 10 bucks. but uh, just to show you I'm not totally biased, we also have the Army and 
and the Air Force and the Coast Guard. Do we have anything else? Oh, the United States Navy. We do have the Navy back there also. I'm just picking on you guys. My dad was in the Navy. He said, son, you do know that the Marines are a department of the Navy. And I'd say, yeah, the man department, and it was on, and so we had a great time. But uh, the pens by themselves are 10 bucks, but you get one free with every book that you get. And then there's also a very special first edition cover back. If you get four books or more, you get that free. All these people gave us some of those uh, to use for this fundraising project. You write a check, make it out to TLM, and you can pay cash, of course. I forgot to bring the credit card machine, but what we do is take uh, uh, your number, your, um, uh, your expiration date, and information, and then as soon as I get home, Connie will run those through, and then she'll put your information in a shredder, and she won't go shopping with it, I promise you, all right? And so you can do a credit card back there. Just tell me that that's what you want to do. Pastor, thank you for letting me uh, come here today. What a sweet uh, a service and a sweet spirit. Just an awesome day. Those uh, folks that prayed with me, please bring your card back right after we're through here. Thank you so much. Come on, Pastor. God bless you. We love you. Appreciate you. All right, be sure to stop the table. And it might be a little late, but it'll be worth it. So let's stand together. We're going to be dismissed in a word of prayer. And then I'm going to mention that we have a real brief, extremely short business meeting right after this service, and that's to vote for the kitchen remodel. We've got everything that we need to do for that. So, uh, so members, please stick around. Uh, go back and visit the table and come back up front. And as soon as we get all assembled, we'll go ahead and have that vote. Father, we just thank you so much for loving us. We thank you for this message today, Lord, I pray that we would never, ever run from you, but that we would run to you. Father, we would understand that with the prodigal son, it was you who actually ran to him. And that when you're drawing us to yourself, that's what you're doing. You're running to us. We don't have enough sense spiritually to do what's right, except that you seek us out. So thank you, Lord, for seeking out souls today. God, may we not live the same way we were when we came in. May we walk with you as we leave, in Jesus' name, and everybody said.